It is time for this partnership between the Star Tribune, their editorial board, representatives always by John Rash and also Patricia Lopez today and WCC Radio. John and Pat, always a pleasure to have you on. Joe Biden gets his first major bill to sign. He'll sign it Friday as the House has passed the $1.9 trillion bill, uh, initially passed the House, then modified in the Senate and uh, passed today. Pat, I'll start with you first. What does this mean for the Biden administration, and what does it mean for the administration the next couple months as they proceed to offer up significantly more bills? Well, it's, um, I mean, it means that they have their first major accomplishments, um, for one thing. Uh, it's something that I think uh, has strong support uh, among uh, the large majority of American voters. Um, it provides a needed package um, of help for um, states and localities that have had some extraordinary costs in dealing uh, with the pandemic. It provides relief for businesses. It provides relief for individuals, extends unemployment payments. Um, I, I think all in all, um, Republicans may regret having opposed this, um, especially since it's fairly popular with Americans right now. It is. It is popular, John. There's no doubt about it. It's popular with Republicans also. So that's how the Biden administration is selling this, even though the votes were uh, mainly strictly partisan lines. When when Joe Biden is is moving this uh is this balance, and he's involved in this dance where many progressives feel like that Joe Biden gave up too much. And many Republicans are saying, hey, look at all the COVID bills before they passed in a bipartisan fashion. How do you think that played out so far with this first bill? One of the things that President Biden brought to his administration was 47 years of experience in Washington. And he understood that this was his, his moment. He wanted to meet it with something very significant. And unlike previous presidents who have gone around Congress and addressed the American people and tried to, in effect, create that kind of pressure, he put the bill out there. Yes, it was amended. Yes, it was changed. Yes, it may not have been what progressives ultimately had hoped for, but it's extraordinarily significant. And as Patricia mentioned quite rightly, quite popular with the majority of the American people, including a significant portion of Republicans here. And so he, as you mentioned, Chad, can claim that this is bipartisan in its popularity. It's not, if not in its legislative vote total. And he understands that coming out with a big success is significant. And I think most importantly, the after effects in the economy and thus his presidency could be quite significant. The consensus seemed to emerge that after the financial crisis, the mistake that was made was that the federal government response wasn't aggressive enough and that there was stagnant growth unnecessarily so for several years afterwards. And that seemingly won't be the issue with this response to the COVID crisis. So this could pay political dividends in the upcoming years of the administration as well. So, John, I'll start with you on this one, uh, voting rights. Obviously, uh, voting, um, we've had voting by mail forever 
across this country. We have five states that only vote by mail. We had adjustments taking place because we're facing the worst pandemic we faced in 100 years. And now we're seeing that debate play out in states and in the federal level, too, on on legislation passed in the House. How prominent is this issue right now? And how active will Joe Biden be in this particular topic? Not nearly as prominent as the COVID relief bill, but perhaps as profound in its importance because it goes to the DNA of our democracy, which is elections. And once again, what the Republicans are doing here legislatively, both in Washington and in state capitals across the country, as more than 100 efforts in dozens of states try to restrict voting, is they're playing to their base. But in general, the American people, according to polls and according to how they showed up at the polls, either via mail or uh, in person in the last election, liked having more options. This is not something that was unpopular with the vast majority of Americans. And so trying to restrict it is not necessarily going to galvanize the country around the Republicans. Their base, yes, but but not much, if at all, beyond that. So I certainly think that the, that President Biden will think he's on firm footing here to push back on here. He'll have a whole lot of legislative support. And even if it's on a completely party line vote, again, if he has at least the majority of the American people with him, he can claim it's bipartisan and perhaps claim another victory. How about you, Pat? I think what's important to stress here is that um, there have been no reports of widespread voter fraud. Um, we had one of the largest turnouts in history um, and, and certainly the highest in many states. And, um, and all without incident, uh, we had voting by mail, we had early voting, we had, um, you know, all kinds of options, voting on Sunday in some states, um, things that Republicans are trying to turn back for reasons that don't seem to be um, much better um, documented than, you know, uh, voter suppression. I, I, I don't really know what else to call it. Where is the outcry to not have voting hours on Sunday? Um, why would you uh, limit the polls from nine o'clock to eight o'clock? Um, those kind of things don't, that doesn't speak to voter fraud. Um, those are things that are just attempts to limit the pool of voters. And, and that is outrageous. And John, because I want to get to one other topic with Pat here. The one person who is going to drive this more than anyone is the presumptive nominee for the Republican nomination in 2024 to oppose Joe Biden. That's the former president, Donald Trump. When Donald Trump is out in public or he's delivering information or he's backing people for his own selfish reasons and others, he is going to continue to say that the election was stolen from him, that he won, that these rules need to be adjusted. And, John, that's going to have an effect on other Republicans because the power that Donald Trump still has. Indeed, and he still does, in effect, control the party. But again, that's speaking directly to the base, and it's important for Republicans to realize that that base-only strategy lost them the White House, the Senate, and didn't retake the House, although there were gains in the House of Representatives, and the Senate is a 50-50 split at this point. It is not a winning strategy. The Republicans 
have only, since 1996, only outright had more presidential votes in the 2004 election ever since then. And of course, you know, with the 2000 election with President George W. Bush and the 19 or the 2016 election with President Trump, they were able to, you know, work it through the electoral college that they got in. But this hasn't been a winning strategy at this point. And quickly pursuant to Patricia's point about Sunday voting in just one example, you know, there's a movement within Georgia that they call souls to the polls. And it's often a place where predominantly African-American churches have people either register or go vote on those days, perfectly legal and something that should be encouraged in a democracy and open to everyone by restricting or trying to end or curtail that, that will also be interpreted on a racial basis by many Americans. And that's something that some people might find deeply offensive and indeed it could backfire. There's no other way to interpret it. I mean, honestly, if you're going to target churches getting souls to the polls on Sunday and they're predominantly black churches and you're eliminating voting on Sunday, I don't see another way to interpret that. Um, they should engage on the field of ideas, right? And if they're, you know, if their ideas don't appeal to a majority of people, then they need to retool those ideas. But, you know, tweaking uh, the rules here and there so that fewer and fewer people um, are eligible to vote treats voting as though it's some kind of privilege where you have to, you know, clear an increasingly higher uh, number of hurdles in order to uh, achieve this. It's not. It's a right. And, and you know, it should be um, – there should be serious consideration given to any way in which you limit that right. Uh, I think automatic voter registration, you know, Oregon has it. Um, other states have it. There's no reason why we can't have that as a national standard. Um, should there be this winnowing of names all the time in an attempt to make sure that fewer and fewer people are eligible to vote? Um, these kind of things don't really speak to fraud at all. Let's pause right here. I want to move to the state. Uh, a poll from KSTP on Governor Walls and his approval numbers and what Representative Dave Baker said yesterday on this show. We're back in moments on News Talk 830 WCCO. KSTP poll yesterday, approval rating of Joe Biden and Tim Walls, the two Democrats, president and governor in this state, both approval numbers 54%, and the Democrats should feel good about that. Um, at the same time, John, I had on Representative Dave Baker, who represents the Wilmer area, who really doesn't have a track record at all as, as an extremist, who has talked about this for a while, uh, about opening up businesses more and being reasonable and having a timeline and having dialogue with the governor's office. And I have represented both parties on often. And I hear a lot from the Republicans for a year plus about the lack of dialogue from the Walls administration. Now, some uh, just, they're, they're so far apart from the governor, I get it. Baker's not that type of guy. And I, I think it's very fair to have some specific timeline uh, of with all the positive results from COVID and all that could turn quickly about when more businesses are going to open up and to answer the questions, why so often is this administration distant from talking to uh, Republican members of the House and Senate? What do you think? I think it's a fair criticism as well. And I think more dialogue 
would serve the governor, the legislature, and most profoundly the citizens of Minnesota better. And I think that being able to communicate what's being communicated between the sides and, as you say, lay out more of a specific timeline so people know what's coming unless variants vary that plan, which they certainly can. And we saw, you know, a little bit of the change that happened in Carver County, just as one example, most recently on what can happen. But I think that the more people know, the more confidence they'll have in their government. And also it helps communicate confidence in getting vaccinated, which is the whole key to get out of this uh, tremendously stressful crisis that the country and the state have been through over the last year. So I think that that would serve Governor Walz well, and certainly he's taken a lot of criticism, and the legislature has, has taken a lot of runs in terms of stripping some of his authority. That doesn't mean that he can't and shouldn't communicate and then speak to Minnesotans about the results of those conversations. What do you think, Pat? I think whatever um, the plan is, first of all, there should be a plan. And it is not unreasonable um, for Republicans, and there have been some Democrats who have asked for this too. Um, And they've got different approaches uh, on this, but different ways to phase in different metrics to use, whether it's hospitalization, vaccination rates, ICU rates, um, is, is fine. But businesses need a predictable plan so they can book events now and in the future, so they can do their hiring, so they can do their food ordering. Um, and I think what's important is that the governor be able to maintain some degree of um, ability to, uh, you know, in light of changing um, rates, you know, variants can explode at different times. Um, to be able to pull back a little bit. But that does not prevent them from creating a plan with metrics that business can use to, um, you know, to to book out their events. And you can say that that rate should be 50% by May 1st or 75% by April 1st or whatever it winds up being. But if the if the metrics remain low, they should be able to do that. The vaccination rate is higher than what we'd anticipated. We're making good progress. Um, and I, I just think it's time for businesses to have a plan. And whatever it is, it should incorporate a little bit of what Democrats want and a little bit of what, what Republicans want, frankly. It's not right to completely shut the door um, on either one of those. Um, I'd, I'd like to see something that incorporates elements of both. And fairly soon. I, I, I think we yeah. should hear from both sides. Yes, uh, I, I great... think it's got to be within days. Yep. I agree with you 100%. Great stuff, guys. Thanks so much. We'll uh, we'll talk next week. Thank you.